Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Irene Blog Talk Radio Show with your host and creator, Minister Annie Bell, the founder and executive director of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We are providing talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. Please enjoy the show. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight once again as we endeavor to bring talk therapy um, to those who have been accosted by child abuse and sex trafficking. Uh, It is our uh, desire to provide awareness, prevention, and resources to the community. So thank you again. Now, tonight's topic is Christianity and Domestic Violence. As we are continuing our series to bring awareness to what is called the silent epidemic, domestic violence. So where do you turn as a Christian when you find yourself in a relationship, a marriage, where you are being abused? In a Christian home, one out of four couples, that's one out of four couples experience marital abuse. Furthermore, it is predominantly women within the Christian relationship due to the fundamentalistic view of men being the authority, the headship of the home, and the women being the subservient or the submissive in the home. Now, that theology embraced by a violent man without contextual understanding of God's love, his word, wisdom, and grace can become a recipe for an abusive marriage. When the women turn to the church leadership, most oftentimes the victim is given the suggestion to leave, but only until the abuser cools down. Um, Then they want to suggest reconciliation. Tonight, I have a powerful guest in the studio who is going to shed light uh, on this topic and share her story of victory publicly for the first time. Um, So I applaud her courage. I applaud her bravery. Um, Most of all, I applaud her obedience to God to come out and speak candidly. So please help me welcome Apostle Lena Mars Opuko to the studio. Welcome, Apostle. Amen. Glad to be here. Just I'm your excited voice about what God's alone doing. is powerful. So you just, I think you just <laughs> shook up some demons just by saying that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Powerful, powerful woman of God. Um, I am so excited to have you on uh, in the studio tonight. I'm just blessed by your presence and the work that you do for God, uh, for his glory. And so, um, again, thank you so much. And I'm just absolutely humbled that you're with me. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> I'm the one that's <laughs> that's humbled. I thank God for the opportunity to come on. Amen. 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 Um, and I know that your husband is on, and um, and I want to thank the man of God as well for supporting his wife and helping her to uh, get to the destiny that God has. So um, thank you very much, and uh, for for joining us. Amen. So Amen. let's get started because we got a lot of stuff to cover. Um, yes, it, this 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 pot is thick, and so um, I'm just going to say it right now. We may even have to do a part two. So um, you, may. you know, uh, it, I hope I hope that you'll be uh, open and available to come back. I'm going to treat you real good. 
uh, so that you'll Amen. be able to start coming back and, and really, so that we can really <laughs> stir this pot, you know, and make sure that we're freeing some people. Amen. Um, Amen. It That's is my desire that not only are we freeing the victims, but it is my prayer that those who are perpetrating the abuse will also um, see the truth in God's word and, um, and turn to God and for wisdom and for change, uh, for transformation, so that um, so that they don't they no longer abuse. So, share a little bit about yourself. First of all, tell us a little bit about the apostle. Hey man, well, I tell you, I've come a long way. God has been such a good God uh, to me. I I am a wife and I am a mother of four children and three grandchildren. I now reside in New Bern, North Carolina. And um, I am the overseer of about maybe 125 churches globally, but I didn't begin that way. And so God is a progressive God, and he's a mighty God. Amen. Yes. Amen. That just sent chills <laughs> up my spine. Yeah, she didn't say uh, one or two. She said 125 internationally, just in case y'all missed that. Um, hallelujah. Now, um, we're going to get it, getting into the grit of the story, because uh, a lot of times what I want to do is make sure that people understand, you don't, you, you may be, a, you may be born anointed and destined, but that oil, it takes some, it, it takes some doing um, uh, oh, to yes. get that oil out of us. And, and sometimes we go through some things, not by God's design, because, you know, God is not the, um, the author of hurt and pain, but uh, we know we're in no, a fallen not. world. So tell us a little bit about um, your experience with abuse as a child first. Okay. Well, uh, I grew up in Church of God in Christ uh, Ministries. I was born uh, into that. I grew up in uh, Hawaii. I was born in Fort Hood, Texas. I grew up in Honolulu, uh, Hawaii uh, as a child. And so my mom had married my dad, and at the age of four, uh, she started a relationship uh, with another man, and so their marriage uh, was no longer in existence uh, within that year. And so uh, she, what was happening was that we were being sent to my godmother's, and that's where, um, that's where we were getting abused in the church, that my godmother was the mother of the church, and we were being abused, me and my sister, for about uh, seven years or so, uh, from age like five for me to age 12. It was a man that was a deacon of the church that uh, had access uh, through uh, to children because he, in, in the 70s, uh, the deacons took people back and forth that didn't have cars, took them to the grocery store, the laundromat, uh, wherever they needed to go. And so that's how he was able to get around us because my my godmother didn't didn't have a car, nor did she know how to drive. And so he had to take us. Plus, he knew my mother, and uh, he knew my stepfather. And so he was able to spend time and be around uh, the family. One thing about uh, the 70s, as I grew up, uh, they allowed you to sit on a man's lap or they allowed uh, you to be kissed sometimes even in mm. the mouth, uh, you know, by uh, people. And they, it, they, they had such a trust back then uh, that even now, you know, I see people are a little bit different now with their children. They're a lot more, uh, they're a lot more careful with their children. Yeah. But back then, uh, we didn't see it necessary because it being the church and the house of God, we didn't see it necessary to be so careful. And we had to learn by the mistakes that were made uh, what would happen. So he was abusing actually a lot of the children that were in the church. And how he was handled was not to uh, for the police to be called. But how he was handled was he was released or put out of the church when they found mm -hmm. out what he was doing. So all he did was go to another church and hurt wow. more children. And so wow. back then, we didn't really deal head on with stuff. We kind of stuck our heads in the sand like ostriches. And so a lot of children and a lot of people suffered because we refused to deal directly with a lot of these demonic forces that was in body in these people. 
uh, that yes. were used as uh, perpetrators uh, and predators uh, that yes. uh, abuse children, women, and our people. And so, and so that's how that's how it started. And so, from age five to age twelve. Uh, I was abused, and the only reason why I stopped is because we moved to another island, mm. and so he no longer had access uh, to us. And so my mom, beginning a new family with her new husband, me and my sister was sent away to my godmother. And so on the weekday, uh, we were with my mom, but on the weekend, we were with my godmother, which had, uh, that's how he was able to have access to us all the time. And so him staying over, sleeping on the couch, falling asleep on the couch, uh, you know, and she, my godmother didn't know her being in the bedroom, uh, she didn't know. And actually, my sister uh, actually, uh, at the age of six, because at one time she actually uh, was there all the time because my godmother ended up adopting her at age six, so he was able to have access to her all the time. And so my godmother ended up losing her mind because she caught him having sex with her at oh age six God. in her bed. Oh and so, yeah, so our, our stories are very traumatic, uh, yeah. but. Um, God is, it has made me who I am. And so the hard places have really, he knows how have to really restore. built me. Yeah, yeah, he really has. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, ma'am. So that's how, it, that's how it started. Yeah. Yes. That is uh, yes. that story. And, and I know you already know, but you're going to have to write that book. Um, people need yeah, to hear that, that. and, and, and yes. how to come out and still love God the way you do, you know, because the oh, fact that yes. you, that it happened with, um, it happened with a church member could have been the very seed that the enemy had placed in you to despise God, but you grew up and you continue to love and trust God and uh, making you the powerful being that you are right now. So um, uh, again, I applaud you for that. I, I know you went through a lot. Um, during oh, yes. that time yeah. abuse and as a child yes. we go through so much when we um, as a child because we're still developing in so many areas and it derails us when that uh, infraction occurs and so um, I, I, I praise God that you you made it out and um, that you're the soul that you are now as an adult um, you have also experienced abuse by your spouse and I know this is something that you haven't talked about um, publicly and I, uh, I really appreciate you coming out tonight to just uh, to talk about it because there is such a need could you tell us the things that you endured um, you know knowing that there's different areas of abuse we know there's physical um, there's even sexual abuse yes you can get raped in your marriage um, there's True. also um, the verbal and emotional abuse could you tell us a little bit about what you endured and how long it lasted oh. <laughs> i yeah. got married uh, the end december of 2000 and um and so being uh, being married i actually didn't uh, walk away until 2009 um there was a little bit of physical uh and a lot of a lot of emotional what I found is that um, is that your light shines so bright that they want to dim your light, mm. and so it's uh, it's difficult um, being who I am because my light shines so bright even when I'm not trying to to be a light. It mm-hmm. shines. When I talk, it shines. I'm in the grocery store. It shines, and people are magnetized or attracted to the light in me, which sometimes brings or breeds a jealousy in mm. in, a, in an individual or sometimes uh, a man, even though he's a man of God. Uh, but just like you said earlier, uh, when, when a man uh, is used to being the authority and the one that's over, but then you are married to someone that is just as strong or even stronger than you spiritually. And so, uh, so then the fight 
you know, so then the fight goes on for the entire time. Now, I have to say, and I have to be honest, because because after uh, being abused as a child, uh, physically being abused as a child, uh, sexually uh, being abused as a child, mentally, that's that's what I knew. And so my relationships ended up being with men that had anger problems or rage yeah. problems because that's what I knew. And so that's what I was comfortable around without realizing that I was comfortable with that. And so um, my relationships uh, kept on being with men that were like that. And so even my children's father had anger problems, anger problems. Mm-hmm. That's what I, mm-hmm. yep, the, it's like that, that spirit kept following me. It kept, you know, it kept following me no matter where I went. I could not uh, seem to get away or get free from it at first. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, as I went through, I grew up um, being needy. And as women, sometimes we can be, more needy than we should because we have not received adequate nourishment uh, from our parents. We have not received what we have needed spiritually, physically. We have not uh, we, we have not received what we have needed, you know, uh, mentally. And so we end up looking for it in a relationship, and then we end up most times losing our identity in a man. Yeah, and so. Uh, and so we are, we are not happy until we are in a relationship. We are not happy unless we are we are, we are married, or we are not happy alone. But we have to be in some kind of relationship yes. with somebody in order to feel like we are women. And so that's, right. that's the kind of product. I became, that's the kind of woman I became. And so this kind of man normally, and even though I was saved and full of the Holy Ghost, tongue talking the whole nine yards as I speeded up to 2000, uh, you know, I was actually uh, a minister by then and, um, you know, going up through the ranks because now I'm an apostle, but I was in my just beginning in 97, uh, actually in a minister and so I ended up marrying this man which normally I would have never married but I was in a vulnerable state going through something with my daughter and so I was in a vulnerable state and it made me reach for something that normally I wouldn't have reached for now apostle I'm going to put ask you to put a bookmark right there I gotta take a break for station identification Um, And I'm leaving everybody on a cliffhanger. So everyone, hang tight. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has firsthand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures, the author has provided a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and Serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. 
For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome back to I Rain Block Up Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Yes, yes. Welcome back to Irene Block Talk Radio Show. Um, we Inspire Network Radio is uh, powering what we're doing, um, this particular broadcast. And I want to bring to your attention the slideshow that's on your screen for those who have clicked on the link and are, is watching online. Um, you'll find information there. Uh, also want to make sure that you know there is a trigger warning for this show. Um, we'll be speaking candidly about uh, violence, uh, uh, domestic violence that's going on. And if you need prayer, please reach out to me through my Facebook page. Um, we also have prayer on Thursday nights. If you want to call in, we have ministers on the ready to pray with you, pray for you, and even if you want to join in um, and, and pray as well. So I want to make sure that uh, we get that uh, available to you. And um, and I will give you the number in just a moment. But we were talking um, with Apostle uh, Lena and uh, basically about the domestic violence when you are a Christian. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out, there is such a thing called multi-victimization. And that occurs when the cycle of abuse has not been broken. And the person who has been victimized in the past they carry um, on a almost a spirit of vulnerability. And so when they are being accosted again, or even just the way they walk, their posture, um, a possible perpetrator can actually pick up on that. And, and we know as a spiritual aspect of it that spirits attract each other. But um, on, in the physical aspect, for those who are listening to the show and, and may not be believers yet, um, it, then there is a physical, a natural aspect of the way we carry ourselves that actually allows for a, a, a perpetrator to pick out that, hey, this person is vulnerable. Um, so we want to break that cycle and help you break that cycle by first reaching out and getting healing, um, listening to this broadcast, listening to other people, giving their testimony of their victory um, is, is your first step. And then maybe your second step is to talk about it in a safe environment as well um, and, and, and continue to get your healing so that you can get to the fullness of life. So, uh, Apostle, you were talking about, um, again, you were uh, a minister at the time. And um, yes. so if you could go ahead and continue on right at that bookmark. Right. I, I was a minister, like I said, starting from about 1997. And um, I married him around the end of uh, December. And um, we, we, were, we were married and once about... 30 exact days after uh, we married, I found myself in the fetal position uh, in mm. my bedroom uh, crying. And, and I said to myself, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. Now, I have gone through a lot of abuse, but uh, this, you know, really topped the cake because this person was able to remote control my emotions. And mm. that's one thing uh, that hadn't happened before. And so I could pretty much, I was a strong person anyway. And so when I got tired, I got tired and I, I just left it. But this person was able to remote control my emotions. And so uh, it's like he, he, just like you said, he knew the posture. And so uh, what we need to realize is these demonic spirits study us. And so they know when we are weak, they know when we are sad, they know when, when, when we are happy, they know what makes us tick. And so they know the button to push to disable us and trigger yeah. certain behaviors. And so he, he, in the beginning, he would trigger the anger. And I re even remember hitting him 
you know, because it's like it was just like, you know, man, you you crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need to get you off of me, you know. Mm-hmm. But then after it's like after it's like after thirty days it was like, man, I'm I really I really did this, and so I felt like foolish. I got to, I got to be honest. I felt foolish because I felt like I had been deceived. Now there's one mistake that I have to admit that I made, and that was sex before marriage. Mm. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And so okay. when you have sex before marriage, <laughs> you create a soul tie that's only supposed that's to right. be between a man and his wife. Talk about and it. So, and so what, what happens when there's a soul tie is that the blood rushes to the tip of the man's penis when it gets hard. And so when he penetrates the woman, it creates a blood covenant between them. Mm-hmm. And they call mm-hmm. and, and it cre- creates a soul tie. And the soul meaning the mind, the will, and the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why you people, women bust windshields and men bust windshields, slash tires, do uh, innumerable uh crazy things, shooting people, killing people, because their emotions got tied through sex. When normally you wouldn't even have gotten caught up. You know what I'm saying? You would have saw the behavior later on after a couple months. But see, quickly, he pressured me into getting married because he knew if he he wouldn't have pressured me, I wouldn't have never married a man like Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so through him pressing, well, we, you know, we need to, we need to make this right. We need to make this right. And so me, even though I was a minister, I had sex before marriage, and so that complicated the whole matter. And so then mm-hmm. it was a point of, well, I need to make this right because I done messed up. Now I need to fix. But every good thing is not a God thing. Right. Good without God is still evil. Mm, and so that's the mistake I made was I thought it was a good thing, but it wasn't a God thing. Yeah. And so me trying to fix my mistake made me make a bigger and a greater mistake. Just like some some girls get pregnant, you know, having sex and they marry the person that, that just because you had a baby with them don't mean you're supposed to marry them. Mm-hmm. But that's the things that we do. We we try to fix our mistakes and make greater mistakes. Mm-hmm. We make mm-hmm. greater mistakes, and so so then everything started spiraling downhill. Now the episodes of rage in the beginning were maybe like six months apart before he would just like start raging, acting crazy, accusing, being really jealous, accusing uh, people, uh, me of being with the different men, you know, that were around me. He didn't have any reason to be, but he just, he was just jealous. Every man, whether he was in the church, out of the church, if I, if I talked to any man in the grocery store, if I talked to him at church, I was going to go through it once I got home. Then mm-hmm. on the flip side of it, spiritually, as I began to grow and elevate in God, he felt that he should grow and elevate with me. Mm-hmm. And when he did it, that caused me a lot of problems as well. But see, yeah. I have been in this for a long time. And when I married him, he had only been saved for one year. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so he felt like he should be elevated. And so because of who I was and because uh, even though I started out needing God began to heal me. And when God began to heal me, I looked next to me and said, what in the world have I done? I don't even know this man that I married him. Mm-hmm. Because I would have never married anyone like that. And so here I was in a cycle because I was a preacher, called myself trying to do what was right. And yeah. so pressure was being put on me as I went from eldership to pastorship. As I brought this relationship into pastoring the church, pressure was put on me by the leader that we were under. And even though it was abusive, I was told to stay and make it work. Mm. 
you know. And so I remember one incident where I was in the bed and he pinned me to the bed and said, have sex with me. Mm. And so I felt like I was like trapped. And so I began to wiggle myself free. And so then when I moved him or pushed him away to try to get him off of me, he just started punching me in my face. Mm. Boom, just started punching me. And so, you know, so then, you know, I jumped up and I was like, man, what you doing? What you doing? Mm-hmm. And so my, you know, my lips swelled up. So then my kids see me with my lips swelled up. Then okay. I'm under pressure to, or, you know, what should I tell my kids? Should I tell them that he swelled my lips or should I tell them that I hit something and bang my lip or I bit my lip or mm-hmm. I tripped and fell because I know how my children are. You know, and yeah. how defensive they are when it comes to their mother. And so pressure from every side. Mm. And yeah. so once, you know, and so once when my youngest son, you know, got hit, because I feel like when uh, you marry somebody and your children are not children together, unless that man really loves that child, they really shouldn't reprimand the child as far as beating them. And so mm-hmm. I was away at a woman's conference and I got a phone call from my son that he had stumped him because he was angry. Mm. And so I rushed to the house. And so I get my child and my children and I leave. And so when I call my pastor, or my pastor at the time, she says to me, you know, you can't go nowhere. Mm. And, and so she was like, just stay and try to work it out. That's right. And that's the core of the problem within the, the church is that um, we get conflicting um, directives about mm. whether, to, whether to do something to save the li- our lives and the lives of our children or do we stay. Um, did she say the reason why you should stay? She she was saying that I should stay and work it out. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody, people are looking up to you. So that's why I was saying that it was pressure from yeah. like different sides. And so the mm-hmm. members of the church, when I'm sitting there trying to tell them, hey, you know, I, I got to go. You know, they are telling me, well, Apostle, you, you are a powerful woman of God. Fix your marriage. Jesus. And then on the other hand, they say, well, if you leave, I'm leaving. So then that made me stay because I didn't want to break up somebody else's marriage because I was leaving. But it was like I was the pressure, oh, God, of being a preacher, the pressure of being a leader. And the pressure that people put on you as a leader, like you're supposed to be higher than everybody else. I'm just human like anybody else. That's right. That's it's just right. a call of God on my life. But see, one thing I know about church people is that church people will tell you to stay in something that they're not willing to stay in themselves. Tell it. That and is that's right. just the truth. They'll tell you mm-hmm. stay with your husband. You need to stay with your wife. But they're not willing to stay with them. In a yes. situation like that, in the, in the situation even close to it, they are already gone. But they'll tell you to sit in the situation. And that's why you got to be careful. They'll use that scripture, 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. If the unbelieving wishes to depart, let them depart. God has called us to peace. But a lot of people are being put in bondage by mm-hmm. that one scripture right there. That's right. Because what if the unbelieving is beating you? Mm-hmm. That's right. What if the unbelieving is the abuser and yes. you are the victim? Then yes. what are you supposed to do? So do you That's sit right. there and stay being a victim or do you get up and get Come out of there man. so you don't become a statistic? That's right. That's right. That's right. And so and what you I, can't use the word of God to bind people up. No. And you Not can't use counsel people. That's yeah, right. Ma'am. I said you can't you can't use God's word selectively. You can't use one and not use the other because if you look at Ephesians five twenty five, it says that husbands are to love the wife as um as Jesus has loved the church. And so right. um 
And Jesus gave his life to to save right. the church, to save us. And so, um, you know, it, it, the dichot- there's a dichotomy there um, that we really need to, to look at. And so um, using right. one word, one scripture to, to bind one and make them do something, um, because basically what it comes down to is trying to uh, get away from the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment that this is going down. But the reality right. of it, we need to shine the light on this particular darkness so that it will, um, it will die. Amen. I'm right. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh no, you you fine. But they they people people when I when now when I counsel people, I talk to people. It's a case by case basis. That's right. You can't use one scripture for every situation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't use no scripture. You tell them get the police and get out. That's right. That's right. Sometimes that's the solution. Huh? And let God restore you away right. from where you are. Because mm-hmm. if you don't leave, you're gonna die. That's so there right. was a pastor. There was a pastor in the area of Roanoke Rapids that uh, he counseled a woman, and she was being beaten by her husband. He told her to return back to her husband and and mm-hmm. try to make it work. She went back, and he beat her again and killed her. So then, who is the responsible party now? That's right. The woman is dead. Who's going to raise her children? Mm. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why as leaders, that's why as teachers, we can't, we can't tell people to stay in stuff like that when it's violent. Even that's when it's, it's words. that's Because sometimes the words that are used to beat you down are just as strong as fists punching you. Yes. Exactly right. Verbal abuse. And sometimes even greater because they use more words, you know. And so it's a constant thing. And so on the outside, he wanted to appear like everything was great. We were this, you know, perfect couple, perfect family. Everybody dressed in a suit. Everybody dressed up. Everybody looking nice. But then at home, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. but it was just looking. See, um, this, the church is looking the part, but they are yeah. also dying the part as well because there yeah. are people that are actually dying because <laughs> they are being told to stay in something that is harmful to them. And to quantify that, there are 4,000 women annually who are dying in domestic violent marriages or relationships. Um, everyone who has just tuned in, we are here with Apostle Lena Mars Opoko, um, and she is here. We're here discussing Christianity and domestic abuse, and um, you're listening to Irene Blog Talk Radio Show, powered by Win Radio. So uh, this, and we're going to have limited um, commercials during this show because there's so much that we need to cover. And um, so, Apostle, thank you again for joining us. Knowing what you know now, uh, what would you tell a person who is in a domestically violent relationship about God's stance? What is God saying um, to the victim in his You know, God spoke to me in the midst of my situation. When I was living in the suburbs with my three cars, and I was living there, living, living good. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was telling me, and you know what was crazy? And that my oldest son told me that I left this man 16 times. Mm-hmm. But the problem was there was no resources or places to go with me and four children. Jesus. Jesus. Nobody could have housed us. Nobody, and somebody could have kept us maybe a couple of days, but not a long period of time for me to go to work, get a job, go, you know, and and take care of my children on my own. Mm-hmm. So I, in the midst of that, God spoke to me. And he said to me, as I was thinking about the situation, he said, stop telling people that I have you here. Jesus. He said, I don't have you here. You have you here. Because Mm. when I revealed the truth to you, you acted like you didn't see it. 
And he said, in order for you to be made free by the truth, you must be acquainted. You must know, know to be intimate with. You must know the truth. And then the truth can make you free. Jesus. It doesn't set you free. It makes you free because of what you are embracing. So that that when so when God said that to me, I said, okay. It's sixteen times. All right, this number sixteen. I said, yes. okay, give me a way of escape. I said, to him. yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm out of here, and I never return again. Amen. I said I will leave everything. I left cars. I left the house. I left my clothes. I left everything and got out of there. Amen. Amen. You got to run for your life. You got to run because for your life because your life is you, worth something. I'm telling you, I would have never been who I am today. If I would have still been there, people used to always tell me, Apostle, you were such a powerful woman of God, but you got a foot on your neck. Yes. People would say, yes. you, you you shine bright, but it's like a shadow over you. That was the man. That was demonic spirit mm. that was being used because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And that's what we need to understand. These are demonic spirits in these people. Yes, that's right. That are assigned to your destiny. To stop it, to hinder it, and to block it. But see, I knew well enough to know because God spoke to me as a child. And so I knew that I would be great. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. And so I was like, okay, give me a way of escape. And so what ended up happening was, as I made phone calls, there was a woman that I had prophesied. And said she was going to get a place to stay because she was such a blessing to the ministry. She had a place rent free. And I went and stayed with her. She just died during the summer. But a a deacon in my church, thank God for people that believe what you say when you say you got to get out and you need help. We need to stop acting like things are not existing. We need to stop acting like we can't see abuse. We need to stop acting like we don't see a woman hanging over. We don't see a woman. Black eyes, we got to stop acting like we don't see bruises on her arm. We got to stop acting like we don't see what we know we see. We see it. We see it. We just don't want to bother anybody. We just don't want to cause trouble. But I say to you today, please cause trouble because you're going to save somebody's life. You're going to save a child's life. You're going to save a woman's life. You're going to save a baby's life that could be killed because you're getting involved. I don't want to get involved. Please get involved and save somebody's life. Be nosy. Get involved. Do something about it. We have please, more power. Please call the police when you see them. When you hear somebody next door and a woman is being beaten, please call the police. Call them yes. over and over and over again. I don't care if you call them ten times a day. Keep calling them when you hear yes. this woman is getting beat. Please get involved so you can save somebody's life. So you don't read about her in the paper and say, "Man, I should have done something." Yeah, you mm. could have done something. You could have called the police. You could have called. You could have knocked on the door and said, look, man, you got to stop this. We got to raise up as people and stop being jealous and stop stop being scared of confrontation. Mm. Mm. Because these men got to stop what they do. That's right. Too many people are dying daily. Murder, suicide, murder, suicide. How many times have we heard and saw it on television? Murder, suicide. Killed killed the woman and her children, blew his head off. Yes. So much much is going on in the news. Too much. And when we look at it, part of Irene, our group, is we want to shine the light on the things that everybody want to throw a cover over and act like nothing is happening. Yes, people, children are being abused. Children are being raped at the age of four, and uh, the earliest age was six months old. You know, not just vaginal rape, but um, anal rape. And we have incest going on. We have domestic violence going on, and we're just 
turning a blind eye. But, you know, mm-hmm. the other day while I was out enjoying my day with my family at the fall festival, um, it hit me and it just kind of grieved my spirit that I was having such a great time. But there, someone right at that exact moment was probably getting pummeled by their um, spouse or being raped. Right by yet another John or uh, being raped by their father or being beaten by their mom. It's just so much going on. And I'm not saying we don't need to uh, enjoy our lives. Certainly Jesus came that we may have life and that more abundantly, but we, we are our brother and sister's keepers. We can't continue to act like nothing is happening and that people are not dying. Just like uh, I put an article on our, um, on the Irene page, where the man had another, his friend in the house, they tied his girlfriend down and um, began to beat her with his fist until she died. He didn't Lord shoot her. her. He didn't uh, stab her. He beat her with his fist. Um, and the two kids were sitting there, the two girls were sitting there watching as his mother uh, her, their mother's lives were taken by the hands of their father. And yes, it's happening, people. It's ugly, and um, we're reporting it so that one, you will be aware. Two, we want to find solutions. We're, um, we can't just continue to allow this to happen. And part of the solution is if you are in a domestically violent uh, relationship, whether it's a boyfriend, whether it's a girlfriend, a wife, or a husband, there are ways to get out and get out safely. Okay. You don't have to, you know, some of us, some, uh, some of um, those who are in the relationship may have to run with just the clothes on their back like the apostle exactly. had to. But if you are able to take a moment and begin to be strategic, because God is a strategic God. Uh, he doesn't, yes, he doesn't he act hastily. And so he, there, there are um, plans, if you call it National Don- Domestic Violence hotline. That number is 1-800-799-7233. Also, if you go to their website, there is a safety plan. Um, You can either do it on your own or call that hotline, and they will help you create a safety plan, a place for you to go and stay, you and your children. If you are um, pregnant, a way to do it so that you can um, make sure that your unborn child is safe. There's ways to do it. You don't have to stay. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Um, because Just because you leave that abusive marriage, he's not going to turn you away. God loves you. And, you know, if Amen. nothing else, he will forgive you, you know. Um, but I don't believe you have to stay in that marriage if you are being no. abused. That is not the type of God that we serve. Um, if no. he tells a, a, a person that if someone is um, that we have to be kind to our even our enemies, why would he then um, say that it's okay for you to be abused? It, he, it, it doesn't make sense. There's, it's too conflicting. God is not a God with um, when he, he talks out of both sides of his neck. He doesn't. Amen. So um, I, I want y'all to whoever is out there. Um, in this type of relationship or he, or knows someone who is, please make sure that you tell them God is not telling you to stay in that marriage. No. Um, no. You don't have to stay in that marriage. That does not prove your love for your husband or mate. It doesn't prove your love for God. All it does is truly continue to uh, every day take that much more of your life away. I have a quick question for you, Apostle. Thank you so much again for being a part of the program. Um, Who should they go to first? Pastor or police? I know sometimes it's it's confusing (laughs) as um, you know, uh, believers and leaders in the church. Do we go to the pastor first or do we go to the police first? I, I, I have to be honest. Uh, really depending on the severity of the situation, I I would say call the police first because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, the you you can't depend on the reaction of the pastor because some people still really don't 
You know, if you have a pastor that addresses issues, confronts issues uh, of this, as you know who you're sitting under, but then there are pastors that will act like it ain't happening, tell you to go back. So you really can't take that chance with your life. That's right. I call the police first. I like that. Uh, Call the popo first. You heard it here on Iron. And call your pastor while you own the way. On the way, that's right. Like that's right. Say, hey, I'm on my way to the police yes. station. Such and such happened, and please yes. pray for me. That, that's right. That is something that's I can right. I can roll with. I tell you, um, I was in. I have my life is a. I have a lot of stories that happened in my life, and one of the things I came. Um, my mother called me while I was at work, and um, she's hysterical. You know, uh, Annie, help me, help me, and she's you know in alarm, and I hear in the background my uncle trying to beat down the door. And so I rush home. Um, why my mom didn't call 911 instead of calling my, uh, my job number, I don't know. But I'm thankful. Uh, when I got there, the door was hanging off the uh, hinges and my mom's marble phone was out in the street. And my uh, uncle came at me with a knife and he said he was going to kill me and called me some other words um just like he killed my mother (laughs) and i said um so anyway he proceeded to go and flatten all my tires and those who know me i i I do have a disability so he knew that was my only way of escape is to get in my car so he flattened my tires and um at that point i went and grabbed my gun yes i am a gun toting minister (laughs) I, 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 I believe I, I got my gun and I called the police and I said, I'm about to shoot somebody. You need to send someone here. Well, um, the police didn't come yet. My uncle was coming at me with a knife. And so I, I put a bullet in him. Um, well, now he, he, the, the bullet went uh, a centimeter away from his heart. He said he was so inebriated. He had so much alcohol in him. He did not go down. He just looked at his chest and he said, he's going to come back to kill me. What? And then after he left, I called the police one more time and said, look, I told you I'm about to shoot someone. Well, now I just did. So call the police, but you stay in action. You know, don't just sit there so that you can continue to be victimized. You do what you need to do. Flat foot, run, do what you need to do to get you and your children and your dog um, whoever is there that he's beating on to safety, because if he's hitting on you, no, it's going to be pretty much that he's going to abuse others within the family. Um, it's true. Now, what about what about you know a word of encouragement for someone who is still in that abusive relationship right now? What would you say? Don't allow anyone to dim your light. Amen. God is a plan and a purpose for your life. God wants to use you. And, you know, it says in Job 35 and 10, no one, no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? No one asks for a bad story. Nobody asks God, give me, give me this maltreatment. Nobody says, hey, right. I want bad things to happen to me. Nobody says, but you know, Hannah, after she went through, she had a testimony in song. You know, after she went through her traumatic place, she yes. went through and came out with a song. And so there are songs in the night because I've sung mine because I didn't stay where I was at. God brought me out and he brought me out with victory. But no one asked for the maltreatment. That's right. But I will say this, God can give you a testimony. God can take you out of that. God can release you from it. God can heal you from it. And he whom the son has set free is free indeed. So you don't have to stay there in that situation because there's a light inside of you that the enemy is trying to block out. There is something so powerful about you that the yes. enemy is trying so hard to dim your light. And so you've got to know that you know that you know there is purpose in me and I must raise my children. There's a purpose for my life and this yes. is not the end. And so then I must do what I need to do. Grab up what is left. The Bible says, strengthen that which remains. Grab it and go and do what you need to do. And let the Lord raise you up like he raised me up. I went 
and I stayed away from everyone. I went and stayed in, and I allowed God to heal me because I asked God, I said, what was in me that attracted a man like this to me in the first place? Jesus. We got to deal with what's inside of us. And so yeah. that's what I did for about 10 months as I was posting and on Facebook, I was posting and people be like, Lord, apostle, what a powerful word. They had no idea I was sitting on the bed and I was weeping and God was purging me and God was cleaning me up and cleansing me and making me ready for the king that he had prepared for me. Amen. It's not over for you. It's that's not right. over. Now, um, I almost forgot, Apostle. I said I was going to take a caller, (laughs) and I want to make sure I am, um, that I stick to my word. So I am uh, calling on caller number 5939. Hi, welcome to the Irene Blog Talk radio show. Would you like to share or have a, uh, do you have a question for the Apostle this evening? No? Okay. I'm going to move to the next caller. Caller 6428, do you have um, a question for the apostle or a comment that you would like to make? And that's all right if you don't. I do want to go ahead and um, <laughs> I want to go ahead and uh, put in uh, your husband and so that he can just say hello. He's all the way from Ghana, Africa. Um, and so I want to just make sure that we uh, uh, honor the man of God. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. This is Prophet Francis Opoku from Ghana. Hey. And I've been I've been online since eight till now, and I'm really enjoying the program. And as Amen. my wife said, if you under abuse. You have to stand up. You have to wake up from whatever situation that you are and then step for it. I always tell people that sometimes if you don't take a step in your situation, you still be be at who you are. If my wife shouldn't take a step from the situation in which she was, she might die as now, and she will not be the great person that God has called her to be. So whoever... So whoever is listening to us right now, God have a de- you have a destiny and you have a covenant with God. But if you don't take mm-hmm. a step, if you don't take a step to move forward, you will never achieve whatever God is having for you. So thank everybody for listening to this program. And thank you, Madam Host, too, for hosting my wife and I in this special program. I mean, I salute you all from Ghana, Africa. And I'm always with you with my support. God bless you all. And thank you for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you for that. We are international, baby. Um, So thank you so much for that. Now, listen, um, Lena, uh, Apostle Lena, I just want to just run this home. If you did not dash out of that house with just your clothes, you would not be in this chapter of your life enjoying no, a God-fearing man who honors his wife. Am I right? Amen. I would not be. I would not be. I would have still been stuck. And that's yes. what it feels like being stuck uh, in something that you got yourself in or someone got you in, you found yourself in, but you're stuck. So then you got to get yourself unstuck. But I thank God uh, for for being a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, and even fifth chances. Uh, I honor God for what he has done uh, in my life and for this next chapter. And, and I'm telling you, there's so much that I could say, uh, such an awesome love story that we have, uh, but it never would have happened if I wouldn't have took that step. And Amen. I thank God thank for so speaking much, to me Eli. real. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we are at our end time. And so we, I'm definitely inviting you back for a uh, part two. Um, everyone, sure. this is the wisdom to reign for tonight. Follow the bend in the road until you can blaze your own trail. To make a donation or get in touch with me or my team, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter, I Reign, Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking, or go to the YouTube channel and look for I Reign Blog Talk. 
and become a subscriber. So, everybody, we know that if we yet endure, we shall reign with Christ. So, come right back here next Tuesday at 8 p.m. and join us for another show. God bless you all.